Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. I am Giles Alderson, producer and director of the Dare feature film and the World of Darkness feature documentary. This is the Filmmakers Podcast, where we talk about filmmaking, from indie film to studio films, how to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. Joining me today is Dan Richardson, who is a producer and star of the feature film Retribution, and is currently starring in the second season of Disney's The Lodge. Hi, Dan. Hiya. Isn't that a massive jump between The Lodge and Retribution, like massively (laughs) different? Yeah, you'd actually think if Disney knew about Retribution, they probably wouldn't have hired me. (laughs) (laughs) But no one knew about it, so we're all right. (laughs) (laughs) And anyone who has seen it wouldn't hire me. (laughs) (laughs) And also joining me is Christian James, director of feature films Freak Out, Zombie Comedy Stalled, and the soon-to-be-released vampire feature film Fanged Up. It's Christian James. Hello, Christian. Hi, Giles. How are you? Do you know what? I'm all right. Good. You're looking great, buddy. Looking great. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I I have chaps. I've taken my shoes and socks. You have off. chaps on. That no chaps. I, as in you. Oh guys. right, you guys. Okay. So I just want to warn you. There's going to be a smell kicking around now because that's as much I'm taking off though. No more than that. But I'm suddenly look, so I've gone barefooted. Wow. Is that like the Adele thing when you when she's on stage? Yes. This yeah, is yeah. The, how you go with podcasts? It's yeah. Like you just want to. Sort of be more organic and when it. I'm on stage, I go more bare bottomed, like just bottom <laughs> half. Yeah, so I need to describe you because no one knows what you look like. Well, Thank- a lot of people know what you look like. Yeah, you've got beautiful blonde long hair. Thanks, buddy. You're like a surfer dude, you look cool as hell. Little oh. glasses on, lovely little stubbly beard. I love this podcast already. You're like a yeah. younger version of Dan. <laughs> Oh man, Dan's really getting it today. (laughs) He wishes. (laughs) So we're going to talk today about Fanged Up getting into Fright Fest, um, which is massive news. It just is. It's brilliant. But first of all, let's talk about news. Dan Richardson, I know you've got some amazing news and not about the meeting, but about gods in shackles. Talk to me. Oh, wow. I get to talk about that. Yeah, of course you can. Okay, well, I, I was fortunate enough to come across a really wonderful conservationist stroke filmmaker and producer called Sangeeta Iyer. She has created an incredible expose documentary called Gods in Shackles. It deals with the plight of what they call temple elephants in Kerala in India. And these elephants are used in religious and cultural festivals um, under the guise of religion and culture anyway. And actually it's just for exploitation and profit. And these poor animals are chained up by awful feet. Sometimes where they stand, they can't have awful feet on the ground. Often the chains dig dirty great wounds into their legs. They're just abused throughout their entire life. They're used to exhaustion and then often to death. 17 have died this year already. Gods in Shackles exposes the whole thing. And I'm hosting a screening of it in London on the 7th of October at the Royal Geographical Society. And thank you for letting me plug it. No problem at all. It's a VIP screening as well. And if you want to get tickets, head to Eventbrite and Search for Gods in Shackles, because it's not actually a little short link. I did try and find one. But, but you're right. That's all you need to do. Search for Gods in Shackles, European gala screening, and um, I'll be there. Giles will be there. It's going to be amazing. Can Do- I come? Yes, you can. Thanks, buddy. Oh, Christian will be there. I can't wait. There's actually yeah. a march beforehand for elephants and rhinos um, that Sangeeta Ayer, the director, will also be going on. And Look, talking at. She's been asked to speak. That's brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. You know, this is a filmmaking podcast. We've always said this, that films that matter... And films that make a difference is what, for me, inspires me to be a filmmaker. And that's why I want to talk about Gods in Shackles. I can't wait to be there. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be there and I'm proud you're involved. I think it's brilliant. Thank you. It's, it, it, I agree with you entirely. It's so important. And, and one of the, I think one of the things we discussed before about bringing people in to talk to in this podcast is people just like that who've, who've gone out of their way to use their ability to make a film, to make a film that actually 
makes a change that does some good. Distribution-wise on something like that, though, I mean, Netflix are bound to be interested in something like that because of the sort of subject matter. Why wouldn't they? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. There's a lot of those kind of documentaries on at the moment, and, you know, we've got to hope it does really well. Yeah, no, and, and there is there is a um, US or North American distribution deal that's been secured, um, and I don't know exactly the details of that just yet, but you're right, because right now there's a swathe of these conservation-type films and some incredible ones, too. Like the Ivory Game, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I mean, what an incredible film that's on Netflix. And it, and you're right. Hopefully, this is indica- indicative of the fact that there's a bit of a move to at least at least more public awareness of these issues. But hopefully, some change afoot. Love it, love it. Um, right, my news. Uh, I've nearly got dates for the reshoots, pickups of the Dare. Nearly. It's been a bit of a nightmare trying to get everyone together at the same time. My lead actors are on other shows. Richard Short is on the next series of Mary Kills People, which is amazing because it's massive and it will help the film. Uh, Bar Edwards, my other lead, he's also got a second series of another show. And the other problem was his hair's too short. I was going to say they've got moustaches and whatnot. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. how do you get around that? Well, you, yeah. th- we were going to wig him, Yeah, but that costs a lot of money to make it look right and it was yeah. he's got hair like yours which is sort of curly it, it, not curly, wavy wavy kind of, yeah. hair thick bounce which for those listening it's like it flows you could do adverts so, yeah yeah <laughs> it's almost like you just stepped out of the salon thanks yeah yeah, yeah. oh i know generally i have that's why oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. yeah i basically have an entourage of people just doing my hair yeah wherever who doesn't but yeah yeah wigs low budget filmmaking yeah and wigs and that kind of thing is not doesn't it, go hand in hand so it really doesn't and it was going to be a problem. And the other main problem we've got, the studio New Boyana in Bulgaria, they are now doing Hellboy, yeah. which is a massive production for them. It's great. It's wonderful. But all the crew have gone on to, to that. that. Getcha. So we had a really small window where we tried to fit it in, but then everyone went on holidays and it's just really tough to get all the new kids that we're casting yeah. to get the old cast together. So what we're going to do is we're going to do the kids bit now. In a couple of weeks, and then I'm going to have to wait till November. So almost, that's quite a nice idea. To do the pickups, and, and this, I suppose, you're treating it as sort of vignette, like mini short film shoots. So do this short film here, effectively. So almost like bolt on to the feature. Yeah, oh, that's a good way of doing it. Right? It is, but it's also very annoying. It just puts it on a hiatus constantly. You know, when yeah. you, you, I sort of finished the director's cut in January. So what? Yeah four months ago five and then suddenly you're going oh now it's going to be november before we can do the that final pickups it, momentum, yeah. suddenly it's like oh so what mid mid next year before it comes mm. out wow yeah. I, I don't know it feels a long time for yeah. me on a positive note yeah. yeah like if i can put a positive spin on it wouldn't it be viewed as a really good thing that as you just said richard and bart and both Difficult to pin down at the moment anyway because of the fact they're doing pretty high-profile shows. And that can only be a good thing for the film, right? Mm-hmm. Which is good. Mm, yeah. yeah. No, it's a really good positive from that. Good. But- and many a filmmaker would love to have... you. It's quite a nice luxury. It's equal parts frustrating. Also, having time to look at your edit and tweak and refine and go, do you know what? Like, I would have killed for that. You know, that would have been... Well, I wouldn't have killed, but I would have... Yeah. I would have certainly... I'd give someone a hand job for that, you know. <laughs> Do you know what? I know you would. Um, but it has, been, it has been nice to have that bit of time for me and Johnny Grant, the, the co-writer, with me to sit yeah. with the script and go, actually, if we did this and did it, and suddenly little things percolate in your head and you yeah. go, ah. So, yeah, that sometimes that bit of time does help. I'm just ready now. I've percolated. The coffee's done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for a hand job from Christian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hand cream's ready, warmed up. Suddenly, when I put this on iTunes, I have to tick the box that says expletive. Right. <laughs> yeah. Family friendly. 
Oh, damn, I didn't know we were doing family friendly. No, we're not. Oh, good, Fuck off. Great. That's for cunts. <laughs> I was going to say the C word and I stopped myself. <laughs> yeah. I, I, won't, I won't go there. Right, I'll just yeah, cut it out. <laughs> okay. And let's right, start again. just start again? Right, let's start yeah. again. Yeah, okay. from the beginning. Um, what else did I do this week? I got an online advert that I was going to direct and Andy was going to shoot with me and then it got cancelled and now it's got pushed back. So that's kind of that sort of great thing and then the disappointment comes mm. with that. Um, I recorded some of the podcasts with Staten and Poppy for the Self-Help Serial Killers Guide to Life. It's great chat with them and about their short film and how it was back the long listed and now it's on the HBO channel. It's a short film, did so well. Uh, and you'll be able to hear that really soon. Um, Christian, what have you been doing this week? Talk to us. So I'm kind of in a bit of a weird, I've just finished a commercial for a big vodka brand. That was a couple of weeks ago. That's gone into post. So whilst straddling that, I've then been prepping something else for another big couple of brands. I have to, have to remain nameless for the minute. Um, these aren't like big budget commercials. They're sort of, I suppose, medium to healthy budget healthy piece of content. Well, actually, one commercial, this is now a piece of branded content. But so whilst the commercial's in post, I'm then prepping this sort of high-end branded content. And then on top of that, whenever I'm not doing one of those two things, then I'm seeing the family. And if I'm not seeing the family, it's trying to squeeze in some fanged up last bits and bobs, signing off grade or just checking a VFX shot or that kind of thing. It's, we're at that crunch point now where it's kind of like the last few bits are coming through the pipe. It's like, oh, and don't forget this. And has everyone remembered this? And don't forget that shot there still needs this. So it's kind of all just re- reaching that apex of, uh, of, of uh, I can't think of a good word. A- it's all reaching the apex of the end. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us about Fanged Up. Tell us, people who don't know anything about it, which is most the, these two at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, talk to what is Fanged Up? So uh, Fanged Up is a prison-based vampire horror comedy. Uh, it's about a chap who, a bit of a... A bit of a lad about town, uh, played by Dan O'Reilly, and he um, also known as Dapper. Also known as Dapper Last. Yeah, he he uh, he was once. Well, yeah, no, he's still got his Dapper Last character. But in this film, I suppose part of the reason why I was brought on board was to very much steer the ship in terms of let's make a. You know, he's going to play. He's an actor. He wants to play a character. Um, so that's kind of I suppose my big input into it. it's like he's not. It's not the Dapper Last movie. I'm sure people. I'm sure we get dubbed that by lazy journalists. But I, my sort of swing is like he's playing a character. So, um, yeah, so he plays uh, a chap named Jimmy who's, uh, I suppose we borrow heavily from the dapper last persona at the start of the film, but then it sort of goes somewhere else. But it's a horror comedy and Dan basically, get, or Jimmy, gets wrongly imprisoned and has to survive a weekend in this prison. It, but not everything is as it seems. It's actually run by vampires. Ta-da! Amazing. Yeah. And is it based on a true story? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What's quite awkward now is, you know, we start this podcast, Dan's got this really noble thing, saving elephants. Like, and now, CJ, <laughs> about your your knockabout with, you know, vampires in a prison. I'm, like, oh, I'm not doing any good with this. Yeah, I'm but just, I'll bet yeah. I know which one sells more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the elephant. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> he won't forget that. Yeah, vampire yeah. elephants. Yeah. There we go. We'll, What's next? It's practically written. Yeah. We'll have a round table, one of those uh, writer's rooms. We'll do one of those about vampire elephants. Chaps, mm-hmm. you down for that? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I was going to do a gag about tusks, and but it didn't really work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you are now in the final stages of post-production, but yet you've already been accepted to Fright Fest, which is incredible. How did that happen? Talk us through. Congratulations, uh, by the way. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Thank you. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, so um, I suppose it... 
Dan just wait, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. This has never happened to me before. He <laughs> says, <laughs> <laughs> um, the timing of that was impeccable. <laughs> yeah. How does it feel to get into Fright Fest? <laughs> what is that? Fizzy water, that's all Right, it okay. Right, so Fright Fest, um, our very first feature film, which was a made on 16mm over evenings and weekends, took about four years to make, and it was, uh, it's basically the old, the, the cliche of it. It's, it's my film school you know, uh, out there for everyone to see. It's all my mistakes on celluloid forever and ever. Well, I say forever, as long as the distribute until it one day just vanishes from Amazon. But, um, <laughs> which film is that? That's free counts. That's a right. comedy, uh, for horror fans, if you will. Cool. Um, and it's good, you know, I want to uh, see it. Well, it's actually good. Thanks. You're too kind. I think it may have dated somewhat. I've, yeah, it was maybe wow, how long ago have I known you? I watched it then. Yeah, it's for a fair few years. And now. I watched the making. Well, let's not of. go into that. Obviously, we're going to reveal how old we are and the fact. That, yeah. I think they kind of know. <laughs> we sort of. Oh yeah, IMDb. Ribs elderly about his age. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. IMDb. Should we just? Uh, should we just go? Um, <laughs> well, I need a nap. <laughs> well, you don't need a wee because yeah. you just you have emptied your bladder already. So <laughs> I can smell it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, freak out for now. Freak out, yeah. In short, Alan Jones is key, the key guy behind, or, or one of the key team behind. You've got Paul McAvoy, Ian Matray, and now Greg Day and a few others. But Alan Jones, as well, is the key part of Fright Fest. He saw Freak Out many years ago and uh, just hated it. I mean, absolutely hated it. Uh, Alan, bless him, in the nicest possible. Like we'd be at a screening of something, and he'd, uh, we'd be to go to like a one of those sort of Fright Fest previews of a horror, and he'd come up to us and say. Now this, my boy, is how you make a proper movie and walk off. Right. Thanks, Alan. Great. Uh, but it was kind of a trial. You know, it was a nice, you know, I, I think he, he meant well. At least I think he meant well. Um, and then cut to years later, we'd made Stalled, second feature. It took, as Giles will attest, and maybe another podcast story. But that took many years to get to that second feature uh, and a lot of sort of bigger budget letdowns in between. But eventually we got to Stalled. Uh, that through, So we went to Cannes. It got a sales agent. The first thing the sales agent did was had very good festival contacts. I mean, we tried the without a box route and all that stuff and we never had any luck with that in the past. But this sales agent, he, sales agent was really well connected. First thing he does, he said, I'd love to get this to Fright Fest. I'm like, good luck with that. I mean, Alan's not really a fan of my, the, my style or our style. Goes off, you know, a couple of days later, we meet up with him in Cannes. So I've got it into this festival, you know, it's in South Korea, it's in, you know, here, it's in, Mo it's in uh, Montreal, it's in uh, Norway, you're in Sweden. And uh, in, are you playing something in London? Oh, yeah, a Fright Fest. I'm like, that can't be right. Not Fright Fest. I was like, hang on, who said yes? And he's like, oh, I don't know, I'll check. And, it, and I was like, well, damn it. If, if Alan gets wind that, you know, someone's allowed our, our work to be in his festival, he's going to go mad. But uh, it turned out it was Alan that saw it. And, 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 and he sent me an email like a day later saying, CJ... Love the film. You're in the fest. So yeah, what a turnaround. That's amazing. So wait, just before, what is stalled about? Just so oh, know. sorry. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so stalled is a zombie horror comedy about a, a janitor who gets trapped in the ladies' toilet. Whilst in there and quickly using the toilet, he then gets uh, trapped in a or trapped by a zombie outbreak. So he's, and this is during a, a Christmas party. Christmas party. Christmas Eve. He's got to find a way to get out. So it's a very contained horror comedy and you did that on purpose because of budget reasons right i mean that that would be the way to do it. it's one room pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. it was it was uh it was funny because the, the freak out was hundreds of locations and i think when we got around to stall i sort of sent to dan well dan palmer co-writer or writer of stall and co-writer of freak out um i was saying well let's just do something contained and, and we could never really settle on something and then dan had a fever or some sort of fever dream once and went away and came back with CJ to read this don't you often we'd bounce ideas around or you know we'd develop something to with, it, with an inch of its life but in this instance Dan came back and said 
don't know what's happened, but I've just basically vomited out this entire script, read it. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'd also said I, w- I wouldn't do a zombie film. So I said, whatever, we didn't, no zombies. So he didn't tell me it was zombies. He just gave me the script. So I read it. Janet starts off with a janitor. And then the, the zombie thing comes in. I'm like, oh, Palmer, you fucking idiot. But and then as I get into it, I'm like, oh, I, I can't. You know, as a filmmaker, the self-contained one location thing is too tempting. So the more I read it, the more I'm like, oh, I'd love to do that. Oh, yeah, and that. And then there really were no major changes from that first draft. I mean, minor tweaks based on my style. What I like to do, I sort of, you know, I really want to do this kind of thing or that kind of scene. Or I'd like to see this, that, and the other. But that was it. So yes, very, yeah. very budgetary. Very, and then it, I suppose from that, it was like we found some producers that were like, yeah, we could do that or we could give you this, we could find this money. And mm-hmm. if you could make it for X, and we're like, mm, let's just say yes. You know, we didn't, but we, it cost more, but we just sort of said yes to, to get the movie going. Are you allowed to say how much it was made for? Yeah. Because I mean, now it's sold. The film has sold. It's come out on it's a couple of cinemas. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's came out on DVDs. And it was great. It's a lot it's of fun. Cr- I, I had the privilege of being at the the screening at BAFTA and it was just such a great laugh it was non-stop entertainment from beginning to end good job dude thanks chaps and, yeah, I, and was, I'm in it as well so and Josh is in it yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, every film it wasn't all good you downside know, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> had its problems but yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so enough about me uh, what, the, what so, do you think about yeah, me yeah. so budget wise what... uh, yeah so I never got the official number okay so here's where it started the initial approach was can you make something for 15 grand? And I, in my head, I'm like, no way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to, you know, but I just said yes. And we kind of went with it. And then it, I think after a few pre-production meetings and what it was like, okay, it's going to be 40 grand. And then somewhere along the way, I mean, I didn't get all James Cameron on it. It just, it ballooned just because the bare minimum, you know, just costs money. You, you know, turnaround times in makeup. That yeah. kind of, you know, you've got the gore, the blood, yeah. it all adds up. Yeah. So I mean, we, I think they budgeted for like X amount of liters of blood and, and we, we, we quadrupled that. You well, know, that was just, just me. And that was just Giles. Yeah. And what he drank on a daily basis. <laughs> um, so yeah, budget on... So you reckon maybe around 50? <clears throat> million? Uh, we shot... So uh, supposedly... 50 million? 50 million. 50 million, yeah. 50k. Okay. Supposedly, so the budget when we were shooting, I was told like, oh, I might be 40. And then I think by the end of it, it's like, oh, it's probably 50. And then somewhere along the way, by the, the last time I asked, it's like, well, it might be 80. So Really? Yeah, I don't know what Do it you is. Think, obviously, we don't want to reveal what budgets are sometimes because of the sure. sales agents mm. and selling yeah. them on because they go, well, if it was made for that, we'll just give you 10 grand more than it was made for. Yeah. So I know people are very wary of it, but yeah. actually you've got to commend yourself for when something is made for little money. And we were talking about the harsh light of day about this in the first episode. When something's made for very little money, you've got to turn around and say, do you know what? Look what we did on this budget. And that's why people should see stalled. If mm. you like zombie films set in a toilet, not just set in a toilet, but zombie films. <laughs> yeah, or toilets. Or toilet. like, if toilets, you like toilets, films Christmas. about toilets, yeah. <laughs> honestly, you're going to love this. It's a really cool film. And you did so many cool things with the camera. You did so many cool shots with the limitations you had. It was great. It's a really cool film. I really yeah, did enjoy it. I would agree. Thanks. What you can't see right now is I'm sliding notes across the table to these two. Guys. <laughs> Saying all um, this nice. I thought of... Stalled was really, really good. It had so much emphasis and the director was great. Keep I going. didn't even make sense. That's so <laughs> much you right. <laughs> what? Emphasis. I don't know. I don't know, just emphasis. Yeah. Emphasized. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the budgets. Yes. Yeah. So probably maybe around the 80 mark. Okay. Um, but that's all post. I mean, you made it for like, you know what I mean? You made yeah. it for, let's say, 30, if we're lucky, Yeah. right? Which is incredible to have all that crew, much of it's set in one place. It's a lot of blood. It's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I say the bare minimum of a film set. Just, yeah, you, should, you just need people to make things happen. I'd love to have, you know, I know the dream is to sort of say, you know, for 30 grand, let's all get together and make a film. But you get on set and then 
you just want a decent focus puller and suddenly you know that, and those things cost money because suddenly you get more there's decent a, sound there's a, yeah. there's a sort of yeah. sound is the one yeah we i mean we actually in all my films so far i i i would argue that we've sound has been sacrificed on set and it's like we'll get it later and it's like what a shame because suddenly you get to post and the producers are wondering why well how comes we're taking so long in sound it's like because we didn't have the support or the the, 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 the means to do it yeah on, on set. set so i think there's a lot of false economies and and, and on um you know, on, on certain things, it's like on certain things, not just, you know, features on commercials I've worked on. Mm. They've, at the length hour, they've pulled the budget and suddenly you've not got enough. It's silly things like uh, 15 amp, you know, sockets or converters. And suddenly the the grips and all those, or the sparks are saying, yeah, we can't plug the extra light in because we haven't got enough sockets. You're like, Jesus, someone should save 20 quid. And yeah. now it's going to cost us another half an hour in turnaround time or something. Exactly. Well, it, it happened on the day. I mean, the day was a much bigger budget than that, but they didn't have enough T-shirts for the young actor. They dyed it in the wash wow, because it had a bit of blood on it. And then they put it in the wash and he dyed it, but didn't tell me and just presented me with this dyed T-shirt. And obviously I'm going, well, what, that doesn't match. That's absolutely useless. It doesn't match my colour palette, anything like that. And I, if he told me, I'd have said, let's go get another one. It's like a quid down at, you know, H&M. I mean, really, that was the case. It was a cheap yellow T-shirt. Yeah. But even that, someone couldn't afford to go get. But So it is amazing, isn't it? Why yeah. These things happen on, and that was still low budget. But, you know. And sound is one of those things. Like you say, it's when you, you, you may not know the impact of poor sound quality on a film until you see one. Mm. And then you realise just how damaging it is and it just loses all credibility, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And that's the really interesting thing that happens is where you talk about most of the budget being in post. If, in my experience, you could spend, you can spend twice as much on good sound design after the event as you did on the entire budget of a micro budget film. It's, and that's what's happened to some that we know, I won't name, but it's just, you know, the, the, the cost of getting the sound right, which is essential. It can it can far outweigh the the rest of the budget all put together. How was retribution for that? I mean, what was because that was shot on that was a really low budget as well. Do you want yeah. to say what that was? Are you? I, that? Uh, you know what? I actually don't. I don't fully know, but I th- I I think I'd absolutely be accurate to say it was. Some, this will shock you. Somewhere between ten and twenty thousand. Wow, that's great. And I mean, but, you know, we did that thing that you talked about uh, with uh, Freaked Out. I think you said you did yeah. over a period of years. <clears throat> yeah, even- weekends pulling favors left, right, and center. I mean, it really was. And and the same was true of sound design. So where you'd normally have to spend that money on, on you know, even at mm. mates rates, you're talking about, you know, 12 grand for a week's work on on, on sound, aren't you? And and it's um, it just wasn't the case because thankfully the guys who directed it, Danny Albury and, and David Bisman, they've, they've worked at the BBC a lot and they've got some good solid contacts and mates who, who were – prepared to do favours so we had some really professional sound design done at ridiculously low and sometimes no cost but that's the only reason why the sound design was good because if it had have come down to a budgetary thing we probably still wouldn't have seen it yeah and it might not have come out by now because maybe the sound wouldn't have been good enough no exactly right and Retribution is a great film it's really good you should be proud of that it's and I said that to the boys when I saw that and we'll get them in the podcast at some point to talk about it going back to what you were saying earlier um, it's difficult isn't it because you do everything you can, you sacrifice so much to make these films and, you know, the amount of effort, the, the extra effort, I mean, not that, you know, you just pour everything into it and then it's difficult because you can't then serve it up to an audience, audience and say, look, be kind because I've worked really hard on this. If you're going to pay to rent a movie or you're going to watch it on Netflix or, you know, Amazon Prime, etc., other outlets are available. Um, but <laughs> you're going to give it an hour and a half, two hours of your time. There should be no mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Caveats. It's, you know, it is what it is. As a filmmaker, you agree to entertain someone or educate someone for a certain amount of time and it it must engross them. Mm-hmm. And you can't say, you're half like this or give us, you know, give some slack. I don't think so. It's a tough one, isn't it? And, I mean, and what, the thing is, when people do watch these films, they don't care what happened on set. They don't no. care if you're having a stink of a day, if you were ill, if your cast member was screaming the place down, having a diva fit, if the sound guy wasn't there. They don't care. They mm. want to see a good film. If it's not good, they go, that was crap. If, if that's Guardians of the Galaxy 2... Or if it's one of our films, mm. they don't care. That's the truth. They don't care how much it was made for. They want to be entertained. And as long as we can do that on our low budgets and get away with sound and get away with all these other little issues, then we're succeeding. So Retribution was more like, it sounds like, like Freakout. It was kind of, and I'd attest that Freakout was more like 30 short film shoots. Again, Charles was saying about your pickup shoot. Yeah. It was more like, because we made Freakout over four years, evenings, weekends, after work, between everyone's part-time jobs, it was like we just basically made, for that a time, just hundreds and, yeah. you know, just, just short films every two or three which, short films Which is a, a great learning curve. Everyone seems to be insist on doing, right, we're going to do this for two weeks solid or three weeks solid. This is it. Everyone goes crazy and everyone can't sleep and it's mental. But why not just go, well, actually, why don't we just do... Five days here, have a little break, think about it, rewatch the footage, go, actually, we didn't get that. Do another five days. It's another way of, of making it. And actually, Especially at the indie level, yeah. Yeah, because then people can go to their other jobs and they can work. And if, if, if no one's getting paid, especially. Well, the, the kind of modern blockbuster has weirdly taken on that model now. You look at the way the recent Star Wars films are made and, you know, they're, I don't want to say focus group, the way you hear about Rogue One was made, it's very much, they shot it, they edited it, edited it every which way. I mean, I've read stuff about they had, you know, the, the the takes were so vast. It could have been, you know, more of a comedy. It could have been more of a thriller. They literally would say they'd do it every which way mm. and then shape the film that much in post. Once they decided after the initial shoot what, what kind of film it was going to be, now it's going to reshoot and then reshoot again. So they're very, that kind of, obviously on a much grander scale, but they are, there's something to that style Yeah, that. and that's what my exec said to me. He said, listen, I'm on set. He said, I'm going to give you two days uh, reshoots and I said can I have the days now I'd rather shoot now and get it he went no no because when you're in post you'll see you'll go oh yeah should have got that uh, okay because you see it differently when you're on set you, you're in a different mindset to when you've had time away from it and you can sit there and go ah oh, okay this is my film and this will make it better so it, I think it's a, it's a good thing to do yeah I think that's spot on that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, as you say once it's fermented and, and, and you I think had I had those extra days on Fanged Up, I would have probably reshot the wrong thing or probably given the time to say, you know, because like, you're in the fog of filmmaking on that day. You are. So that's a tip for filmmakers out there. If you've not made a film yet or you want to make another one, don't feel you need to shoot it all at the same time. Uh, do it weekends. People will happily jump on board that way as well. Sure, especially if you're dealing with professional people who across cast and crew who are otherwise working paid jobs during the week. That, 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 how can they justify giving you their time if they're if they're doing it to the detriment of their income? Mm-hmm. But if you're doing it at weekends and they're not working, then it's it's a no brainer. Yeah. So Fanged Up yes. has made Fright Fest. Congrats, man. Thanks. So, guys. Honestly, so, it's, it's so cool. I know you've been there before. We're sold, and it was great. But I feel this is you know it's it's a it's it's another level. <laughs> it's boom diggy, it. diggy diggy boom boom diggy yeah. dig. 
If only a boy I band a, called if, Another I know, Level. That, uh, that's what I say. If only I knew another level song. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, diggy diggy boom boom. Uh, diggy diggy. Rights. Yeah, you have to. Hello PRS. Or nah, no, no. <laughs> I think my voice was nowhere near there. Yeah. I'm much but, better. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So look, the, it stars um, Daniel Riley, like you said, Lauren Sosha, Stephen Burkhoff is in there, Lucy Pinder. Obviously, everyone remembers Lucy Pinder. Dan does. Uh, and Vass Blackwood. You've got some good talent in there, Thanks, right? Mate. It's amazing. Actually, the day we shot, which is the penultimate day of filming, Lucy Pinder came in to do her sort of, I suppose, cameo, effectively, because she's in the opening scene of the movie. Um, and For those who don't know, Lucy Pinder oh, was a, a, yes. a page three girl for a long time. I think he started as page three, but mm. she certainly, for I think the best part of a decade, was at the forefront of that lads mag movement and culture. But yeah, so on set on that morning... I, penultimate day of shooting really tired uh, probably about every couple of minutes someone come up to you and go um isn't that lucy pinder all the time and like slowly like everyone was you know just the more and more they realized it's lucy pinder the more and more control or more and more you know everyone was more attentive all my extras are sort of like yes whatever you i'll do it if i can get near lucy pinder absolutely fine it's amazing amazing look at the wow you put someone like in a scene and suddenly, uh, yeah, everyone's just like sharp as a tack and like, you know, just wow. want to be involved. My experience of that has been that the, the awkwardness comes from the crew. Sure. Well, I shouldn't say that. Inexperienced crew. Yeah. Sometimes. And I think what's really, really admirable is when, and I, and I, and I have an example of this with, uh, with Ollie Milburn, who directed The Harsh Light of Day. I had a love scene with the woman who plays I my wife. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Which is Nikki, wonderful actress. And and um and you know it's it's just a fact it has to happen she was going to be topless and there's going to be a bunch of people who had to be in the room um but but ollie very very respectfully and very deliberately minimized the number of people in the room and, mm. and insisted i heard him do it before the before the scene was shot he he made it perfectly clear that there was no monkey business there wasn't this wasn't time to joke around no wise cracks be professional get it done be as respectful as you possibly can and then move on and so I think that was so admirable of Ollie, especially as a as a young filmmaker as he was, and it, and it pulled any p- potential inexperience from the crew right into line. But I've I have been on sets where that hasn't happened and where it's just awkwardness. I don't think anyone means any anything bad by it, but they'll suddenly do or say something that's just not appropriate and it's cringeable. Mm. So that's I think that's that's the awkwardness I've experienced. But between the actors. I've never experienced Post any awkwardness. Nothing, yeah, nothing, that's interesting. No. Yeah. All right, so look, we're fanged up. Uh, it's on the 25th of August at the Prince Charles Cinema and you can get your tickets for Fright Fest. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be there. Uh, you can buy a festival pass for Fright Fest, but you can also buy just a single ticket for fanged up also, which is on Friday the 25th. Perfect. Um, look, talk about how did you get the gig with, with fanged up? Because this wasn't your normal team that you work with. So talk us through how that happened and the process there. It's really weird. I was thinking about it the other day. I had my first email... Uh, about fanged up i think you know uh the very beginning of october or, or very late september and we were on set filming the middle of november so there's a really fast sort of turnaround time and you know here we are just over nine months later or ten months later and the film is done so it's crazy to have a film of a pretty uh decent budget out in that kind of time it's been quite a whirlwind actually but yeah i so i got the gig um so i suppose stalled getting out and about there having a bit of reputation but that led to me getting a channel four short so channel goblin uh no that's another short starring holiday granger and david oaks that was emma biggins of harsh light of day fame Mm -hmm. uh she wanted to do uh just create a quick something for a good cause and that film was almost like a bit of a bunch of filmmakers in a room muck around for a day and see what we get and that was and what came out of that was goblin 
year later, someone at Channel 4 had seen Stalled, or some, for some reason I was on them, their radar, and uh, they were looking, as they were relaunching the 4OD platform, um, uh, revamping it into all four, they want to create some uh, horror content or a series of horror shorts for exclusive broadcasts on all four. Via and it was being produced by Film Four, so uh, I after a long pitching process, I get one of those. That ends up in Fright Fest also, and then again, I think with this project fanged up, it'd been hovering around uh, other directors and other filmmakers a year before I was ever I'd ever been involved. For whatever reason, they needed a director quite quickly and and someone that had the experience. So they must have been asking around town for someone that's done a contained horror comedy, as fanged up is fairly contained. And definitely tonally, it's in line with stalled. So I could see why it was a good fit. And someone recommended me, you know, it, it's, you know, random email out of the blue. We hear you're, uh, you hear, you know, your way around a movie set. Do you want to get involved? I said, well, I don't, but I'll try. No. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so then uh, next thing, we have a few meetings and back and forth. I, you know, wasn't too sure if it's going to work out. But eventually, after a bit of tiptoeing around, because it's always a gamble. I've not worked, worked with these producers before uh, and they've not worked with me. So you, there's a very, very quick process of trying to gain each other's trust. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm promising them that with a film I'm going to do X, Y and Z and I'll make it this way. And conversely, they're saying to me, we'll give you this, that and make sure you've got these things. But it's just a leap of faith. Uh, you don't know if, you know, in a few months time you're going to be on set with uh, a bunch of like-minded filmmakers or a bunch of assholes. Mm. Uh, luckily, it was the former, not the latter. So, uh, yeah, so then literally, I think six, seven weeks later, uh, from that initial meeting and a few more meetings, and then me saying, well, I, you know, wanted a, a script rewriting because it, it, it was certainly something that was in my wheelhouse, but but it needed to be the kind of thing or more in my voice. So I brought in Dan Palmer, who had worked from Stalled, to basically rewrite, rewrite it from sort of act one up. Mm. Which um, is great that you had the opportunity to bring someone like yeah, Dan in. I mean, and, that's, and, that's great. Yeah, no, great that Dan could come in at short notice, good of the producers to trust me enough to say, we're re- I mean, a lot of the guys would have said, no, we're too close. This is the script we're making. But I was like, I really think, you know, with a, with everything in mind, we need a... a and a little a, polish and it can be yeah, much exactly. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I sort of got to know Dan Riley at that point and I could sort of see some potential and we could really play with his... Uh, Strengths. St- yeah, and also, and he'll admit to this, his baggage. You know, he's got a lot of baggage as well and he was quite happy to embrace that and, and, and play with it a bit. So... There was a, you know, there's some ripe ground or fertile ground there. Because you you were saying about that being somewhat set in a prison. Mm. So what, how did you shoot that? Was it in, in a studio? In a prison. Or a prison was, well, that's even better. How cool is that? How did yeah. that happen? Well, you just, it, it's great. There, there was a, I think it's all down to just timing. There's about three prisons that had potential. So we could have been filming in either, uh, there was one in Richmond, one in Portsmouth, and maybe another one in Bristol, if memory serves. And it was like, could have been, so we could have been... Any one of those three, it just depends, you know, what what stars aligned. And uh, for some reason, the Portsmouth one uh, just worked out, which is great because it's my preferred one. And it's nearer you as well, right? And it's nearer me, so I could well, I could actually live at home and and drive to set every day, which is Perfect. great. So is this a working prison? Uh, no, so it it had been decommissioned about right. three years prior. It was apparently a very, you know, uh, functioning, no, no problems. It's, the building is immaculate or, or at least very well maintained. But I think for whatever reason, just they had to, close it down I think I don't know, I don't know. I don't know what but for, it was just literally right next week this place is closing and now it's being convert, converted to luxury flats isn't that incredible yeah. and so that's, that raises a really interesting point for, I think for new filmmakers because location is such a key thing mm. yeah and we, we saw this on our film I shot 
uh, previously, which was set in a hospital, and they used a disused hospital, an abandoned hospital, which the NHS had just decided to shut down. It was actually going to get knocked down and then refurbished in uh, in some other um, manifestation, and, and and that actually never happened. They just ended up refurbishing it as it was, and so there was just this window of time where they thought that it was no use to them, and actually gave use of it for free. Wow. Because there was no money at stake. And they said, you know what? You can even do as much damage as you want. If you've got explosions, use explosions oh, within reason, of course. So who who does that? Who who rents you a prison? So and that, how do you pay for it? So yeah, or the, do you pay for it? I, do you know, and I, I genuinely, I don't know that. And I suppose all, as I've evolved as a director, maybe years ago, I would get very much involved in those decisions. And now I've realized I don't need to know any of that. And in my advice, right. my biggest bit of advice would be as a director, the more, I mean, I know it's kind of a there's the the Robert Rodriguez thing of you know do you know wear every hat do everything and I totally bought into that you know back when I was first starting I've almost gone the other way now I'm almost like the less I know about whatever the producers are doing you know they do their thing I'll do mine but all I need to do is just make every frame as good as it can be that's so interesting so I've gone the other I've completely turned it around because yeah, that, that kind of happened to me on the dare as well normally yeah. i'd be fully involved and i've got my own production company so i'm used to doing everything mm. happily to hold a boom if you needed to be yeah on the dare because i didn't know the final budget i don't know what it is there was people doing that so again i could concentrate on just directing and it was weird at first to mm. not know but actually it was quite liberating because then you could just go right i'll just do this then I'll just, where's the camera going to go? Well, what you guys you? earned your stripes, didn't you? You'd, you'd put in the, the work. You've done all the stuff y- yourselves in the past. So you're not asking people, you're not delegating duties, you're not aware of what's required. Mm. But for you to do your job properly as a director, as you've moved up the echelons, it's, you know, why not just and, be focused on that? And, and also maybe because endeavor. we know what those roles entail. We also we know what a producer does. We know what, the, you know, the camera guy does, the sound guy. We we understand all that production management side. Yeah. So we know they're getting on with it. It's only if there's a problem, you sort of go, well, actually, this I did ask for this, and can we sort it out? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. So it's probably because I, we have all done those roles, there's probably some comfort in that. I kind of know what they're probably doing. Mm-hmm. So, I, uh, you know... I know what a uh, grip and a gaffer probably cost per day. I know why we've only got one of this or two of that. My job is to to look at the frame and sort of say, well, what do I need? I need something else. I need this. I need that. And I'll just and nowadays I just push, push, push to get what I need. And they'll be pushed. They'll be like, no, you can't have that. Okay, why not? Because of this. Fair enough. Let's you know what can we have? What where's the compromise? Mm. But um, yeah, I always found as things have moved on, the, the the less I get involved, the better. I was supposed to go back to answer your question about the prison was mm. yeah. I don't know, so I don't know how. Is it, yeah, I must ask that question. I'll come back to you. It's a future podcast. I'll I'm find just out. Fascinated because yeah. it's like you you you'd almost want to reverse engineer a film, wouldn't you? Around if you knew that there was a prison up for grabs yeah. for a period of six months before it's converted into luxury flats, you're like right, let's quickly write down six prison based scripts and shoot six movies back to back. Because how often are you going to get to use a prison? Funny thing, it's never as easy as you think because you think oh, that building's just lying there doing nothing but even for us we had security there around the clock anyways they have certain duties you bring in a film crew of like 50 60 on a on a on a bigger day or extra as you're looking at 150 people someone's got to sign them in extra electricity the ramifications of that are, are huge I, I like to smoke up my scenes yeah fire alarms would go off all the time then you know, then the fire brigade gets called it's, and it, those kind of little things you don't think about and suddenly you've eaten, that's cost you an hour or two hours to reset the fire alarms a guy comes down from the local council yeah he's haven't gone off before oh, and he's just scratching his head looking they, they have to send someone around the prison and there's like something a hundred odd 
fire points in this building and one of them's got one of them's faulty so you have to go off for an hour or two to find the one faulty wow and you've We're, just got to wait the whole crew outside was an alarm going off and it's just, yeah so it's funny i thought the same thing you think that building's there doing nothing but even with the building just sat there doing nothing there's so much management involved yeah. we worked for me on the short film uh, 47 cleveland which mm. did very well and did won lots of awards it was fantastic and that was uh, lords fabris who was in that and produced it with me she said my building where i live they're about to knock it down. Uh, come come and have a look. And if you've got any ideas, let's shoot it. I went there and went, oh, my God. Yep, yep, yep. And I just went and wrote this, uh, you know, someone tied up in a basement, which is kind of my theme for a lot of my yeah. <laughs> But I did do that. But the same thing happened. The fire alarm went off. Yeah. And we had to wait two hours. And because it's kind of effectively unmanned, who solves this problem? We don't know. And yeah. in my case, I had literally shot in a day. So that was all my time and I was thinking can I I can actually film with that fire alarm going off I can, <laughs> I can, but I was thinking of all these things that yeah. we have to do it and if the police come and if the person who owns the building comes and suddenly they shut us down I've spent a little bit of money on this short and suddenly now it's not going to finish so luckily we got away with it but I just couldn't put any smoking <laughs> I had exactly I had a funny a similar thing it was actually some sort of weird power cut to half the prison or most of the prison but there were emergency lights in one or two of the hallways so again we're halfway through a scene I had like eight actors in a room it was one, one of the scenes that had the most amount of actors in one scene and it's kind of like, well, do we wait around for the... Pa- Again, someone's called out, got to come down. Where Watch Trip the Power, go for a load of fuse boxes. And in prisons have a lot of fuse boxes. So what do we do? So well, I just ran around the prison, found someone with light and thought, what can we shoot in this area? And obviously the DOP is going, this is shit emergency strip light. I can't, you can't do anything with this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, DOPs we can, we're going to just, you know, we're going to, fu- we'll shoot plate shots. So I just shot VFX plate shots just so we were doing something. Great. And then Good for, for a few hours did that. You know, threw some blood down, just shot plate, and then, I mean, it kind of saved our out. In, in, in the edit, it's like, thank God we didn't went and did that. We just did something, you know, so mm-hmm. we don't have to shoot it later. But that's what we always keep thinking. What you know, that time, what can you shoot? I totally agree. Yeah, if you've got a downtime, what can you shoot? As a matter of times when we're waiting for an actor, I just go look, turn the camera over, I'll get the light bulb dripping, uh, Abs- yeah, blood coming down. It'll get us the hand in the sand. Anything, yeah. I, whether I used it or not in the edit, just might as well. Yeah, everyone freaked out though when I did that. <laughs> everyone freaked out mainly DPs first DPs first well go, they're yeah. the usual ones I tell yeah <laughs> right just turn over will you so but like the script supervisor or the first day he was suddenly go what did you shoot what did you yeah. shoot and the yeah. whole language barrier was just like probably in Bulgaria yeah. and they'd freak out and go what, what number should I put down so don't worry about it I'll, I'll be in the edit don't worry about it yeah so basically if you've got a chance to shoot anything shoot it like yeah. say if there's an abandoned warehouse or if you're there and something goes wrong try and shoot something else um, unfortunately that's all the time we've got okay bye uh, <laughs> <laughs> So listen, if you did enjoy listening to this, uh, please like, share and subscribe. Um, so you can follow Dan at... D-A-N-710-T-H-S. That's Dan at that's 7 on tenths. Twitter and on uh, Instagram. And CJ, where can we follow at you? At C James Direct on Twitter. I'm also on other stuff, but I can't remember what the hell I use on that. But I'll at, put, at C James Direct Twitter. We'll get you to most things. And I'll put it in the show notes as well, all your Lovely. links to your websites. Yeah. And is there a trailer for Fanged Up? Uh, that's a whole other story. There will be... Uh, but there isn't one just yet. Right, okay. But it's kind of, you know... It's is, coming. It's coming, yeah. Fine. Okay, yeah. so keep keep looking back to the Fright Fest website to see if there's that trailer and then go buy your tickets on the 25th of August. Prince Charles Cinema, I'll be there. CJ will be there. I imagine Dan will be there I too. I really hope I will. Thanks, um, I'd love to be there. Just, and, go, just go see the film. Doesn't matter about trailer or poster. Just go see it. Just go see take it anyway. Take a chance. Yeah, yeah. take a chance. <laughs> take a chance. Uh, and God's in Shackles, October the 7th at the Royal Geographical Society. Correct. Brilliant. Can't wait. Uh, and you can follow us at Filmmakers Pod. It's new. I've just done it. So it, I, I thought it was different. It's not. It's at Filmmakers Pod. I, I like, like it. it. Hey!
Whoa! That's not even rehearsed, man. No one's ever going to believe that. Bye. Right, goodbye. Bye. Thanks, Mike. Bye. Thanks, Mike. Bye. Thanks, Mike. Bye. Thanks, Mike. Bye.